0: Hello and welcome to another episode of PodPit, the podcast about podcasts, and I'm your host, George Grimwood. Matt Gawley is one of the hardest working people in the podcasting world. Super Ego, James Bonding, Pistol Shrimps Radio, and I Was There Too are just a few of the shows in which Matt is involved with, albeit as creator, producer, host, editor, and numerous other roles all integral to the creation of high-quality entertainment podcasts. One afternoon, Matt very kindly joined me via Skype, live from Pasadena, to discuss comedy and the art of podcast production. Matt, hi. Hello. How are you? Good morning for me, good afternoon for you. Yes, we are um, in two different time zones. Is this your first International Waters podcast? I don't think
1: so, but I'm trying to remember what it was. I feel like there was someone in Australia or
0: something sometime. I can't remember. So us just say yes maybe your first uk one yeah probably oh there you go there's there's a first that's that's fine i'm happy with that i can i can go with that um and how was your christmas it was good it was
1: hectic i had uh, a lot of uh family business we had two bunnies in our home that got taken by a bobcat and then i basically broke my hand and falling through a shed, and so it was fun and bonding for everybody,
0: but hectic and filled with tiny traumas. (laughs) It sounds like it was a slight National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation kind of vibe. Yeah, I excel at that. That's a film that I can watch over and over again, but I must say I'm kind of reluctant to watch the National Lampoon's Vacation one that's just come out. Have you you seen that? Oh, yeah. No. My
1: dad, whom I would watch all the original Vacations with, saw it and really didn't have much to say about it, so I don't know. He and I have a special place in our heart for those movies together, and if he doesn't like it, it maybe it's still good, but I feel like, ah, uh, what's the use? It's it's something we watch together, so I won't even try. I know that's good and open-minded.
0: I don't blame you. I mean, I, I know that uh, there, are, there are certain remakes that just aren't worth the time or effort, and The Wicker Man is one that I've avoided and uh, continued oh, to. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that because... Loving the original Wicker Man. This
1: one is so bad that it's enjoyable again. So I really enjoy both versions.
0: Well, I'll try. I'll give it a go. It's up but, to you. So on I Was There Too, you talk with people who provide sort of previously unheard stories and anecdotes from a different angle, kind of behind the scenes of classic films and television programs. However, I was going to put forth a hypothetical scenario. If you were ever going to have a James Bonding and I was there to crossover. Which person from which Bond film would you like to talk to? Let's, I
1: feel like there's a good answer for every single Bond film, but one of the people that I've gone out to, that's actually two, were Mr. Winton, Mr. Kidd from Diamonds Are Forever, Putter Smith, and um, uh, Bruce Glover. And I haven't heard back from them yet, but I've just started working with a producer who's going to help me book some guests. So I think we'll go out to them in an official capacity. I would love to have both of them because I think they're both living in L.A. One of them's living very near me in Pasadena, and uh, he's not typically an actor. Potter Smith, he's a jazz musician. So I thought maybe we might be able to get him, but you never know. Because uh, you know the, the, a lot of people still aren't familiar with what podcasts even are. And so the first thing you have to get them to understand is that this show – has a listener base and exists and could be something they might be interested in. Other people just simply aren't interested in talking about the fact that they may have only had a small part here and there along in their career. So it's always a toss-up with what you're going to get. But that would be fun. All of the um, poker players in Casino Royale would be fun if I could do a round table with them, maybe even play poker while we talked. But that's pie in the sky because I think they're an international cast and it would be hard to get them all together. All on Skype. That'd be,
0: that'll do it. That's true. <laughs> I know. So you raise an interesting point there. Um, everyone I've spoken to describes a podcast differently. How would you describe a podcast to someone who had never listened to one? It's just a radio show that you can download and listen to whenever you want. In In that respect, is there a huge difference between radio and podcasting, would you say? Yeah, two things. You can listen
1: entirely when you want on your own device. And the programming is much more uh, focused towards your interests. So it's a lot more niche. And uh, radio shows tend to be a little bit more broad because they have to appeal to a bigger listener base that may be tuning in. And they have to to cast a wide net is where a podcast can get as
0: specific as you want. Probably too specific sometimes. And not to make you blush too early into the proceedings, but for example, Super Ego is so refreshing to hear because you wouldn't get that on radio or certainly not over here no and, same here <laughs> and and that's that's what i love about it and i mean also by the way congratulations on 10th anniversary of yeah, Super coming Apple. up in march yeah and you got a show coming up uh to celebrate that's right yeah but it's funny you should say that because i think
1: in some ways the way that the bbc would foster comedic talent and shows and like a lot of the TV shows from England that I ended up really enjoying had had their roots in radio. That's something we don't really have over here. And so I was always conscious of that when we were doing Super Ego, that I wished that we could have a radio show to do that kind of thing. And that was still when podcasts were very small. Now you don't need them because, I mean, you, you'll strike a bigger audience with a podcast than you ever would with radio with something that specialized. But I always remember, you know, the Mighty Boosh and everything having their outlet first being radio and being so jealous of that and loving what you guys were doing over there
0: and is there any particular British comedy show that you watch still or revisit at all well I'd love
1: the mighty boosh and then you know if Monty Python is ever on TV it's hard to turn it um let's see oh Garth Marenghi's Dark Place has always been a favorite of mine and anything that those guys do the Dean Lerner show um and then yeah, well I don't know how much of that was radio, but just in terms of TV, I ate those things up. I was, you know, getting bootleg DVDs back when they were first out and uh it's just like nothing like that was being done over here really.
0: Have you seen Toast of London? No, I haven't. I think I think that'll I think that'll be up your alley. It's Matt Berry who played um I can't remember the name of the character in Garth Morgan's Dark Place, but you and he were buddies. That one, you know what I mean? He, yes, oh yeah, his character in Dark Place, yeah, yeah, Rick Daglist, is That's that the what one. it was? Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's got a series on Channel Four over here called Toasts of London. John Ham was in the most recent series as himself. When okay. I get that, it's, it's... and Snuffbox too. His show Snuffbox, I loved too. Yeah snuffbox um i'm 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 really glad it's had a rediscovering as it were because i know the av club did a a really nice article about it a little while ago and suddenly the interest went up again because it kind of just faded out a little bit over here on one of the uh upcoming sky channels as it was at the time but it's yeah it's nice to see it evolve and with that in mind i mean in terms of super ego um the fact that it's been going for 10 years now um i was wondering if you could provide us the origin story of this of the show
1: Sure. Uh Jeremy Carter and I had been doing these video shorts for a uh online like film thing called Channel 101, which is kind of like actually was more of an online TV thing where you would submit a pilot and it would if it got chosen, it would then go to a live screening and if people liked it, they would vote for it to come back the next month. You'd see the next episode. And so you were as only as good as your latest episode to see if you got voted back. You could get canceled any month. And so we had done this 80s action spectacular called Ultra Force that ultimately the production values we were putting in were too hard to sustain. So we self-cancelled. We killed the characters. And we had a good time doing it, but at the same time it was way too much. And then we didn't really do much together for a while, and then we were hanging out again, and I started listening to podcasts. This was in 2004, I think, right around the turn of the year from 2004 to 2005. And I went to Jeremy and I said, we should do a podcast. It'll be just audio so we can create as big a world as we want, but we don't have to worry about the production values. And, uh, so we started doing that in early 2005 and our first episode came out in March of 2005. And then little did I know, I kept saying, yeah, we don't have to worry about production values. But by the time we got six or seven years in and I was editing such heavy production values into it that I was doing more work probably you know close to 100 hours an episode per month and it was just becoming unsustainable so now we don't do it every month but we still do live shows and we're just starting to record for a new regular show uh, that will hopefully be out in march
0: and the production values are noticeably fantastic and so tightly edited and enhanced audio of course is is noticeable as well and
1: yeah we've got to be the only one like does does anyone do that anymore i don't even know why we're still doing it (laughs) it gives
0: it a whole extra re-listen value if that makes sense so for those of you that
1: don't know that you can you used to be able to watch most podcasts and as the chapter markers would change the graphics would change on your itunes album art so we still do that. It's an M4A enhanced podcast. And we actually hide little things in there. And there are little secret treasures you can find. In fact, they can even lead you to a website, which will give you bonus content if you really look strong. In the in the season three through the present, they're there, except for the first couple episodes of season three.
0: Well, that's uh, that's news to me. So I'm I'm going to go. And... Yeah, a lot of people don't know. Wow. Okay, so have got a proper treasure hunt going on. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. And you mentioned that there's, it took, I mean, about 100 hours of effort into, into one show at a time. I was wondering if you could run me through, right from sort of the conception of an idea right through to the post production. Um, what, what's the process of creating an episode of Super Ego? Generally,
1: when we're not together, we write different ideas in our phone and they're like usually a sentence at most. But like, you know, those annoying TV stations that are on gas pumps when you go gas up your car, there's something we can do with that. So when we get together, we'll all throw out these ideas or we'll just say, hey, let's do another version of this one that we've done before. And uh, we set up these four different mics and they have these vocal reflectors surrounding the front of them. So ultimately, everybody gets recorded into a separate channel and I can isolate and overlap and re-edit the individual channels if I need to. There's always some bleed, but there's a way to hide it. And so we record each sketch for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then any given night, about half of what we record will be any good. So there'll probably be two or three sketches we don't even touch. They just didn't work usually two because we don't record that many now. Now we just kind of relax and socialize a bit more and we'll do two or three. (laughs) used to be we'd do like six. Then once that's done, I'll take the raw audio and start cutting it down to around five minutes and then laying in all the post-production and the music and sound effects. And occasionally if there are two really funny segments that don't link together, I'll bring either myself or someone back in to record just one line that can connect the two to make it make sense narratively. And then once those individual sketches are done, we kind of uh, choose from there. I say, like, I think it's like picking an album, like a music album. Oh, I think these ones go well together. And here's a good variety of different types of sketches. And then Mark and I will usually get together at that point and put them into a full episode file. And then we upload it and release it to the podcast world. And do you keep all of the sketches that you don't use as well? Yeah, to... The best of my ability, I've kept everything we've ever done, though I know certain things in moves and lost hard drives have gone away. But for the most part, we have everything. The only thing I know for sure we've lost is we did a, a character commentary for e- Empire Strikes Back as Irvin Kershner and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we lost that, so we re-recorded another one, and that one's out. You can get it. And uh, it's temporarily unavailable because we're moving our premium episodes to a streaming service. But that one we lost, and then there were a couple of infamous sketches that we really liked that didn't get recorded on the night. And so those ones are lost to time. But for the most part, we have everything, at least a master file of the finished sketch. But for the most
0: part, all the raw stuff still exists. And would you ever released that or was that, is that are you saving that for a for a special further down the line event like the old raw stuff yeah i i can't imagine
1: i i don't it's not good <laughs> i think that's the whole reason it wasn't released in the first place was it just didn't work or you know you never know what our guy jeremy's gonna
0: say at any given time so some things are better left <laughs> sealed up well, I mean, I understand that uh, you released a an uncut sketch f- to see if someone could edit it in a certain way. That one was special because it was so bonkers, and it went for 45
1: minutes because I think we understood that it was so weird that we were probably never going to do anything with it, so it was more just fun for us. And 45 minutes is ridiculously long for a five-minute sketch, and so just kind of as an exercise in absurdity, we released all four tracks of the 45-minute Thing, the four separate channels and just saw what people wanted to do with it and they ended up pulling out something pretty
0: good you know it's called stetch Maldoné scissor repairman i think there, there needs to be more podcasts uh being as interactive as that i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was fun for us to do i think we'd probably might try
1: to do something like that again in the future you know it was really nice
0: yeah, I think there's definitely a benefit as well for podcasting engaging its audience as well in that way. Yeah. It doesn't seem that there's many doing that. And I think that's what Super Ego in particular is further ahead than a lot of a lot of other shows that I've heard. I know
1: we were, for, oh God, for as long as I can remember, we offer the chance if if people will write us an iTunes review and then send us proof in their address, we send them a postcard from their favorite Super Ego character and one time I noticed that the address I was sending one to was like two blocks away from the house that I grew up in in Whittier, California. And so I just emailed the person back and said, that's funny, I'm my mom still lives two blocks from you. And we struck up a conversation and it was around Christmas. And so I was heading to my mom's for Christmas. So I just dropped the postcard off personally. And this guy turned out to be this wonderful guy named Mark Miller, who is the basically the assistant producer for Clive Barker and ended that we ended up working together on this Nerdist animation series that we did for Nerdist so we took five or six of our you know most popular sketches had them animated by his studio and produced through Nerdist all because of this stupid interactive postcard thing that we did
0: it's fake. <laughs> it's got to be done i mean i think that's what i love about that as well is that i about the world of podcasting is that meeting people through podcasting either as fellow hosts or guests or just really other fans it's so much more of a it's a very positive community there's not really any room for negativity everyone's always encouraging each other and and joining joining each other as well I mean and and that cross-section is certainly when it comes to networks as well um on the west coast you notice a lot of people are hosts on one show, they're a guest on another show and everyone, I I think that's something that um, other mediums don't really have that intimacy. Yeah, it's
1: really, really been a pleasant experience in terms of the listeners. And it's been incredible. I find that the more numbers we get, the occasions of people coming out of the woodwork that are a little uh, negative increases and that's slightly disheartening, but I try to focus on the good stuff. I have to read you this one email that I got. Do you want me to? Sure, yeah. This is crazy. This is just to show you how weird it can get. Okay, this is an email we we just got not too long ago. Well, the subject is what the fuck, mate. Seriously, you guys need to either disband Superego or do some fucking work. These three-minute pieces of shit are worthless and shows how little you care about the fans of Superego. <laughs> I used to worship you guys. Now I get angry when I see an update several months later and the episode is three minutes long. Why even bother? It's been a whole year and you guys have done absolutely nothing worthwhile like your old seasons. What are you doing with this project besides leading people on and giving false hope for a better Superego future? Please, shit or get off the pot. Sincerely, a longtime fan who's thinking of deserting uh, name names no you don't have to <laughs> well, like, <laughs> there's no name though that's the crazy thing it's it's just like a screen name for an email there's
0: no actual name oh, oh probably someone i know <laughs> well if yeah if it's some if it's another member of the super ego team then that that's a concern. but i i think <laughs> I'm, I'm sure jeremy mark and paul would not do that um no. or jimmy blades and <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I i i thankfully uh on on the podnos network we we are yet to experience any, any anything negative yet only because i think we're we haven't done enough yet to warrant any response <laughs> barely it'll be there but i only throw that out there as the exception
1: because it's so pleasant and everybody is like they they send you so many nice things they send you gifts and it's really nice because you're essentially giving them something free so a lot of people want to pay back either by nice words or whatever they can do and so something like that is the anomaly and that's why it's less hurtful and more funny and worth mentioning because you like wondering what the hell is going on in that person's mind
0: and and it's slightly absurd as well because Anyone who's a fan of the show will know that there's a. I mean, even, I know as you just described, there's a lot of effort put into every single episode. So, aside from the fact that it takes time to make a single episode, you also got to factor in that you're not just involved with Super Ego. There's yeah plenty of other shows you're involved with, and um and, and networks and production and editing. So, yeah, that's that is bizarre, and I mean. what <laughs> I mean, one of the other examples of a show that you're involved in is James Bonding.
1: Yes, yeah, which basically kind of ended its regular run uh, a week ago.
0: With Matt Myra? Right. On the Nerdist Network. Yes. I mean, James Bonding is part of the Nerdist Network, um, Andy Daly podcast, pilot project on Earwolf, and I was there too on Wolf Pop, um, Super Ego Classics on Howl, and your involvement with Maximum Fun as well. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the relationship between the podcast networks and the podcasts released solely by their creators? And by extension, what's the process for an existing podcast to become part of a network?
1: It's different for uh, each network in my experience. So because Matt Myra was already part of the Nerdist Network and a founding member of the Nerdist podcast, that all just sort of came through him and I had very little to do with it and we were basically just doing the podcast whenever we wanted and Nerdist was there to put them out and everybody benefited though there wasn't really like we weren't selling ads on that until I think the second to last episode so it was just kind of a catch as catch can thing and we really had no interaction with them other than our producer who is in the room every time Katie Levine who's wonderful so that was just a very easygoing relationship not that uh, any of them haven't been. Uh, Wolf Pop has been a lot more hands-on, but not in the creative way, just very helpful with the infrastructure. And because I was involved in building that network and working with Earwolf firsthand, they just, they have more of an administration and it's a little bit more of a business there, but in the best way that that infrastructure is there to help you with booking guests, scheduling studio time. It's a little bit more wild west at Nerdist over at Earwolf and Wolf Poppets a lot more. It's sort of easy to hand things off to other people. Everybody's really helpful, and the resources are tremendous. And then I worked very uh, briefly with Maximum Fun. I guess I worked for a couple years as the editor of the John Hodgman podcast, and that was a smaller network at the time. They were very hands-on with the creative side of things. They wanted to review most of the edit and the content and that sort of thing, so they had a definite idea of certain parameters that they wanted to hit and um i think that's it right did i cover all of them
0: yeah i think so yeah i mean you actually have just reminded me though as a side note um what are the chances of having john hodgman on i was there too for his experiences on the nick very possible i have not
1: seen the nick yet so sometimes shows don't make it to the show simply because i haven't had a chance to sit down and watch them. I really want to watch that show. It looks really fascinating to me. I don't currently have Showtime, but I should probably just download it on iTunes because it looks like a great show. But any time to have John Hodgman sit down on my podcast, I'm, I'm going to take.
0: So it's a, it's a very distinct possibility. I mean, spoiler alert, he's in it. Um, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it suddenly went into my top 10 favorite television shows um, very quickly. It's only two seasons so far, but it's, yeah, I I was blown away. It's really good. I've heard great things about it. I, for TV, I've only done one
1: episode on a television show, and it was Deadwood. And I felt like part of that is because it had some years to really sit in the canon of great television, which I think the Nick will do. But it's still kind of young, so I might give it a little bit more time to see how it you know, turns
0: out. The Deadwood episode may have some new listeners coming ahead as they discover the film's coming out, potentially. I'm
1: so excited. I I don't want to get my hopes up because I know that this is basically the closest since the original films were being conceived that it's gotten. But still, with David Milch, it feels like anything could fall through at any time. So fingers crossed. One one hand fingers. I can't cross
0: these other fingers. Hands crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I I must say I'm wildly influenced um, with my dress sense with television shows. And there's a company in the UK, which you might be interested in investigating, that sell exact replica of Ian McShane's uh, waistcoat and trousers from Deadwood.
1: Oh my god, you're kidding.
0: And they got it spot on. I sent them over the exact measurements and it's what? Uh, I got to send that to paul f Tompkins. You'll have to send me the website. Yeah, definitely. It's it, they're based I think um near Brighton. Mm-hmm. This was sort of my New Year's Eve Christmas attire. I was wearing that with um a collarless shirt but with um a stud collar like uh, one of the high star collars and that was the Nick influence there. Ah, nice. And then I was going for some Balthus knots from Hannibal with the uh, the pais. So I was just going. I was, com- uh, yeah. I I have no I have no original ideas, uh, <laughs> original thought. But but I felt smart, and that was the important thing, actually. I, and then I ended up picking up a Baroque Empire influenced jacket the other the other week. Um, so that <laughs> oh my god! But uh, I, th- I think that's the thing. There's there's got something got to be said for era based uh, drama costume combinations. I agree, definitely. What's the update on your jumpsuit? it's
1: done it's made yeah yeah it's i wore it for halloween it's fantastic a wonderful guy named dana james jones made it for me and uh it's the the uh powder blue terry cloth swimsuit jump jumper from goldfinger that sean connery wore and uh it's it's both perfect and humiliating
0: so it really achieves its purpose do you find specific reasons to wear it or are you just waiting for the right time i halloween was good because i we
1: were busy and so i needed a last minute thing and it was just a small party we were having at our place so i didn't have to go out in public um but we'll see i i think maybe next time i head out to palm springs i'll have to break it out in the pool but god i don't know just even saying that i start to get embarrassed we'll see
0: and if you're in palm springs and you've got the window open presumably you're going to have to put the soundtrack one of the original uh, the goldfinger uh score. yeah yeah um, but I, I mean, I suppose, um, I mean, that's the thing. Going back to James Bonding in, in that respect as well, I mean, it's, it's an example of having a very specific focus for a podcast, but because of the international appeal of Bond, there's something thoroughly sort of accessible, enjoyable, and kind of comforting to it. And certainly to enthusiasts of, of Bond. And, and in terms of sort of other particular cultural elements that a certain community shares, um, there's something there's something to be said for for kind of bringing that out in people so i was wondering, in that respect not to say that james bond is in any way niche uh but what's your view on the benefits of podcasting as a way of being able to focus on a very particular or niche subject matter to appeal to a certain audience
1: it's so great i i think it it had to happen too because TV itself was getting so watered down to appeal to the most people possible, to get the most ratings, to sell the most advertisers. So then along comes cable, which can get a little bit more focused and they started doing very well and kind of has really kind of, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but here it's basically ruined the quality of broadcast television. They, they just can't do anything worth a damn cause it's so watered down. And, um, cable really focuses. And so podcast has done the same thing to radio that cable has done to television. And, uh, especially for a generation like ours, whether it's millennials or generation Xers, we are a nerd culture. We have fan properties, we have franchises and, you know, that's being embraced to such an extreme that it, the good and the bad comes with that. I mean, it's, it can be a little overwhelming at times, but at the same time, Just having an outlet where you get to discuss something so specific, like the Gilmore Guys podcast, just about the show Gilmore Girls, is such a wonderful thing because I think the best ones are the ones that really focus in on the subject but also don't take it too seriously. If you take it too seriously, you you lose a little bit of the point. I mean, you got to have some fun with it. Same thing with what we do on James Bonding. We're just as ready to celebrate some of the weaknesses of that franchise and laugh at them. And we're not criticizing them necessarily. We're just laughing at the absurdities and some of the crazy choices of another era. And that's worth talking about. And nobody's really a professional critic. We're just celebrating it and laughing at the foibles at the same time. And I think that's what makes for the best focused podcast.
0: I've been enjoying not just James Bonding, but also Matt Meyer and Kevin Smith's Frasier uh, podcast yeah. as, as another example of that. And what I like about both podcasts is that you can you can practically watch them as commentaries, almost, with the films or television programs. Right. And, yeah. of course, you mentioned the Empire Strikes Back commentary. I was wondering if you had any plans for any future commentary-specific podcasts. We've already done one, and it will come out sometime
1: this year. It's Alien with H.R. Uh, Giger. John Hurt and Ridley Scott doing commentary, and that's done by myself, Paul F. Tompkins, and Mark McConville.
0: I can't wait! I think that's going to be. I, <laughs> I like the fact that as well that you haven't just got Super Ego commentaries; you've also got Super Ego involved in uh, novel adaptations, essentially as well.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, very loosely. We have Super Ego Forgotten Classics on the Howl FM network, which is basically the Netflix for podcasts. You can pay a monthly subscription and get so many wonderful shows. I'm not saying that as part of it. There are really stuff that couldn't exist in a large scale as a free podcast because they're limited run and very focused and select things. And so we do a show called Forgotten Classics where we take a novel that we have never read and improvise it long form what we think it could be or would be i would say we we try to make it what it what it is but it always goes off the rails but we do start thinking like i bet it's this let's do it we don't talk much beforehand but we we sort of put it in the era that we think it is in the place that we think it is and we're given a list of the character names the first line and the last line of the novel and that's it we have to make up the rest and see how close we get
0: I like the fact that you also keep the behind-the-scenes part as well in, as, a, as an extra because it's nice to see you guys react directly to what you've just been performing. That's right, yeah. We do a little
1: piece afterwards where we read the Wikipedia plot synopsis and we get our reactions to how close or how far we were from the original story.
0: And have you got any episodes already recorded waiting to go or are you waiting to do sort of another season? No, but... We, yeah, I
1: think we have every intention to do more. We haven't yet because that one, because it's so long form, takes a lot in post-production and it was too much for me to take on. So I tend to direct the sessions and then James Bladen does most of the editing, though I do a, a little bit of polishing. He does the amazing brunt of the work and he's very busy. He works as a music editor, so... That one is basically now whenever we can get it in, as everything is with Super Ego.
0: And having been involved with uh, both improvisational comedy, uh, discussion, general discussion as well, um, that brings me on to Pistol Shrimps Radio, which is a perfect example of what field reporting comedy should be. (laughs) <laughs> and aside from the fact that of course you're commentating on a, on a live event so you don't know what's going to happen as much we don't we don't know what's going to happen either but also it's the fact that you're not necessarily as big of a fan of basketball as say a basketball commentator would be I'm not a fan of basketball at all
1: until I started doing this podcast, and then I'm a huge fan of this team and the games that they play. Your listeners must be saying, like, how could he possibly be doing another podcast? But this this is the last one. So just for now. <laughs> that I do. For now, yeah. Uh, I find it really fun. It's the podcast. Of all the podcasts I do, it requires the least amount of work. So... In that sense, it's very liberating and very free. And Mark and I, right from the outset, basically said, there are no rules on this one. There's no format. We just do what we want to do. And even along the way, we've thought, oh, should we change this because we've gotten feedback on that? And we've kind of said, like, no, on this one, let's just do what we want to do. That's the whole point and not second guess ourselves. Because honestly, we're like, who's going to listen to this in the first place? And then now that some people are, there is this thing of like, oh, do we do a feedback loop where we, you know, now take that into account and we're trying our best just to do what we want to do? Devil, you know, be damned.
0: I suppose also it has the benefit of the fact that you're, you base it around the season of, of the, of Pistol Shrimps. So it's adheres to whenever a game's on, you can go and do the show.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we have two, usually two seasons per year for about, I guess, I don't know if it's eight weeks or 13 weeks or something like that. So it comes in two chunks each year. And that's nice too because you don't really get burnt out on it. I tend to look forward to Tuesday nights because I was, whenever possible, I was going to see the games anyway because my fiance is on the pistol shrimps. And so this was a way to kind of involve myself in it and really make a commitment to the team. And it was really fun.
0: Oh, and congratulations on your engagement, of course. By the way, thank
1: you, thank you very much. I'm excited.
0: Which of your podcasts would you deliver directly to an international audience if you had to pick one? That sort of you saying, right, this is this is going to go out to the UK. If you had to pick one, to sort of bring over to the UK, which one would it be?
1: I don't know. I, that's a tough one. I think I was there too is probably the most accessible. I think anyone can jump in on that one. It's the most mainstream because. Whether you're a movie fan or not, you'll get the concept right away and you'll probably find something about the concept a little interesting, just the perspective of a film from someone who's not the star, who can speak plainly about it and there's no publicist or anything to sell. It's just about hearing the stories of the day of, of that day's shooting. Otherwise, I might say superego, even though that there's a risk of it being too absurd for a general audience. Pistol Shrimps, I think, is the one I wouldn't because it's so weird and right away you wouldn't really understand what the hell is happening i don't think um, i'm always surprised that it has listeners in the first place but uh, i love that it does i yeah i think i was there too would probably be the most accessible one
0: and i suppose um, it'd be quite tricky to do a live show of pistol shrimps radio in the uk yeah. trying to get them over seeing if they can i don't know if their
1: hype continues maybe that you know they already played in an an ex nba tournament and so if they could get into some sort of international tournament as an exposition match
0: we would definitely go with them i certainly know a few people who are very interested in pistol shrimps radio super ego i was there too and in that respect i know that there is an audience certainly for super ego over here because as you say i mean aside from the fact that you said that obviously an influence such as the mighty bush for example is there but it's also such an uh its own thing it's not it doesn't feel influenced by anything it's it's very much it's such an original show i think it would grab attention over here very quickly that's very nice to say i think the one place we
1: might be able to pull it off is probably the uk also we were watching a lot of little britain at the time of recording the early super egos too so i think that influences in there but that's so nice of
0: you to say and is there a chance of you bringing it over in, in the in the future it could. There could be. Uh, in fact, I just got a tweet from someone today.
1: F- from what, if I remember correctly, said they wanted my email for a London podcast festival, and so I'll never know which podcast she's referring to until <laughs> I get the email. But usually, it's Super Ego or I was there too. So I, I love. London, and any opportunity to go over there, I would jump at the chance. I've been there a few times, and I just I just love it. I have someone here that wants to say hello.
0: Oh, it can be my parents. Come on. Come
1: on. Welcome. Come on. She won't come all the way up here.
0: never mind <laughs> i'd i'd bring i'd bring one of my cats up but they're uh well i think one's passed out blending in with the rug downstairs and the other one is uh i think we're just running about um because we they got catnip for christmas
1: oh yeah so did Margot. it was a big day
0: yeah I, and of course um margo made a a cameo appearance on drunk history with you if i'm not mistaken is that right she did the first time yeah she sure did yeah she she was the star <laughs> we we've, that's actually Drunk History is one of those shows that they've adapted over here, and I haven't seen any of the UK version yet. But um, I... that's right. I heard about that. Am I right in saying you recently appeared as Ian, Ian Fleming in a Drunk History? I did. It was
1: the episode or the segment about Royal Dahl who was quite a spy and uh, used to sort of rub elbows with Ian Fleming. I guess so. I just do a cameo as Ian Fleming. Was this before you had the jumpsuit? i think it was after but it was such a formal affair in the scene i was wearing a tux so oh that would have been something to show up in that thing
0: so if they if they end up having a a drunk history where there might be a um an apocryphal tale or or a historical tale relating to maybe sean connery in as james bond then we might finally see the jumpsuit on on television
1: i can only hope only hope
0: (laughs) <laughs> Just to sort of uh, wrap things up uh, momentarily, I have a guest question from a friend of mine, uh, Paul Sibson, and he's asked, what do you do in your role as a podcast developer for mid Media, and do you continue to work on the podcasts after they've started? Uh, I don't
1: work on them that much after they've started. There's a head of content uh, for Earwolf that does a lot of that work and a few producers who are really wonderful. I love working with them. Everybody at Earwolf is really pleasant to work with. I do a weekly call and check-in, and then we'll work with specific podcasts. So I listen to a lot of the new stuff that's coming in and give my feedback on it before it becomes a regular show. But we don't try to pry too hard on the creative side of things. We we try to start with either if the shows already exist, we are confident that they're good in the first place so they don't need much meddling or if the shows don't exist we hope and you know know we're working with someone that will put together a good product so it's more about helping come up with ideas it's not saying no this do this do this do this um it's just kind of like a not quite brainstorming but just uh spitballing sort of thing of like well what about this option what about this option how is this one choice going to help this next segment you know how can they inform each other and that sort of thing so I'm kind of a consultant in a way where I pop in when needed and help out whenever needed and kind of and therefore even some some random things like a podcast may need oh this little thing needs a, a bit of inspiration so let me listen to it and see what i think and it's it's a vague at times and then very specific at times if we're developing a lot um and so i kind of come and go a bit
0: if you're going to leave our listeners with some parting advice if they wanted to get involved in the world of podcasting as a host or behind the scenes of a podcast what would be your advice
1: i i've used this advice before but i really really believe it to be true. And I've tried to use this myself on the four of my podcasts that don't do a podcast unless you really want to do the podcast and only do it for that reason. Because this, you know, for the most part, podcasting isn't really a viable income for people. You know, there's a very, very small percentage of people who make much less any money, but a living off of podcasting. So you have to do it for love of the game and for love of the subject and for love of the medium. And so if that is why you are doing it, the rest will take care of itself. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a huge blowout success, but it will invariably get better and better and better if you really like doing it. If you know, I've spoken to some people who are frustrated because they can't get enough downloads, and it seems to be that that's the reason they're doing it, almost as a, a way to achieve notoriety or fame. And I don't think that that's what podcasting is for, because also what's funny is even if you get to a certain level in the podcasting world, you're still just... In the podcast world, it's not a mainstream world yet. Maybe it will be someday, but it shouldn't be the reason you're doing it. Do it because you have something you really want to either discuss or focus or feature and just find the enjoyment and find the fun, find a way to make the fun. Even the technical side, that can be like really uh, just boring and tedious sometimes. And that was the hardest part for me. But I, I was always aware that the the miserable part of the technical side of thing was in support of something that I really, really loved doing. And I think that that makes a show really fun to listen to. Fun is infectious. So if you hear people laughing or having a good time or super interested in what they're talking about, it naturally makes you more interested in it. Even if it's a subject matter you don't care that much about. And so if you love to do something... It'll take care of itself. I think it's really that simple. Obviously, there's more to it than that, but at, at a base level, that's really the main focus in it.
0: A huge thank you to Matt for joining me on this episode of Podpit. You can follow Matt Gawley on Twitter via the handle at Matt Gawley and go to www.go and check out the brilliant podcast, superego. And if you're lucky enough to be in Los Angeles, do not miss the chance to go and see superego perform live. Matt Gawley, Mark McConville, Jeremy Carter and Paul F. Tompkins will be celebrating the 10-year anniversary of Super Ego Live at Largo on North La Cienega Boulevard on Saturday the 5th of March and as of the time of this recording, tickets are still available online. Having seen Super Ego Live at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival last year, I cannot recommend this experience enough. Matt's podcast, I Was There Too, is back for a new season. Go to Iwasthere2.wolfpop.com, where you can check out all of the episodes already available, as well as the new ones. You should also go to www.mattgawley.com, follow Matt on Instagram, and by extension Margot the Fat Guy. Check out James Bonding on the Nerdist Network, and speaking as a non-sports fan, I cannot recommend Pistol Shrimps Radio enough. So go and subscribe to the show on iTunes and hear for yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of PodPit. If you've enjoyed the show, why not leave a review on iTunes, follow at PodNose on Twitter, and get in touch via admin at PodNose.com. Bye for now. You've been listening to an episode of PodPit, the podcast about podcasts, hosted and produced by George Grimwood, edited by Martin Fenton. PodPit is part of the PodNose Podcast Network, You can visit us online at www.podnose.com and you can get in touch via admin at podnose.com.